This is the Faces of Small Business Podcast, where we interview the CEOs that really matter and the community influencers who support small business. Recorded in the Strategy Leaders Water Street Studio. So today we have Will and Nate from Kelly's 4 Plus Granola, local Connecticut company, Norwalk, basically right around the corner from our office, which is awesome. Um, and now our office is full of granola, so that's always a plus. I bring it home, don't tell anyone. <laughs> or tell everyone. It's the favorite. It's the best. Um, just found out. Yeah. Uh, so can you guys tell me a little bit about uh, Kelly's? Sure. Uh, so Kelly's 4 Plus Granola is our, our family granola company. I'm Will Kelly. My, uh, Nate's here with me. and uh, We started the business back in 2012 with our parents. And it was uh, granola that our mom was making uh, for Nate and I. Um, we were competitive rowers, and we were looking for a healthy snack for training. And we asked her to make granola basically using ingredients that we already were eating kind of on our own. Uh, so the original recipe was oats, canola oil, honey, maple syrup, and then a couple different nuts. And she would make it for us. We would tell her, you know, maybe more honey, more nuts use almonds, don't use pistachios, whatever it was. And she sort of refined the recipe through that. And uh, do you want to kind of talk about that? Yeah. You know, here in Norwalk, there's actually a pretty big rowing scene right on the Norwalk River. And so that's both where Will and I learned how to row uh, in high school, uh, came back and did some rowing through college um, with the program. And then after college, we decided that we both wanted to train for the senior national Olympic team. Um, and as our mom was making this granola at home, we decided to bring that down to the high school team that we were coaching on the side of our training. Um, and I took it to a regatta in the fall of 2011. Uh, and after the race, the bins were completely emptied. I think we had a batch of nutty. And then uh, my mom said, Cordy said, um, let's do a, a non-nut flavor. So she basically came up with the honey maple. Um, the bins were empty at the end of the race. And the parents all said, you know, whose granola is this? And Coach Nate. Um, and so the, ne- the following week or two weeks later, I brought another uh, two bins there, one nutty, one honey maple. And at the end of the regatta, there was a, an order sheet for crew crunch. And so I brought the sheet home. I said, Mom, we've got 25 bags to, uh, to make up and sell <laughs> to the kids. So we started selling to them at the boathouse. Um, we were doing that for about six months. And they do a fundraiser every uh, spring and fall. Um, so we tacked onto that with our granola bags. And... They sold, I think, in the first fundraiser, like 800 one-pound bags, wow. which we were blown away by. We were expecting maybe 200. Um, and as those 800 went out, it wasn't just to the, the crew uh, members anymore. It was to friends and family and, and other people in sort of the immediate Fairfield County area. Uh, and then we started having getting requests of, you know, this is nice that I can buy this through my, my son or daughter or their friends through school. Uh, another thing, actually, that the kids are doing they were buying 10 or 12 bags from us at a time from the boathouse after practice and then selling it to their friends for a dollar extra at school. So <laughs> it just started spreading out there and we, we got all these questions, you know, where can we buy it? So we started with a farmer's market in the summer of 2012, um, all local, of course, with uh, Wilton and Royden. Okay. Uh, and as those were successful, we decided those are, you know, only a summer, fall kind of season. Uh, we need full-time grocery stores to sell our products. So we're able to take what we learned in those farmers markets and bring them to a couple local grocery stores. Uh, and once those started to get more and more successful, we added on more and more stores to here we are today. That's awesome. So that's the, uh, the basic startup story. Are you guys still selling at farmers markets? 
We do. We still do um, the New Canaan Farmers Market, and we're trying to figure out if we're going to do a row eight or not. But okay. they're, they're definitely they're great places to test new items uh, with customers, get direct customer feedback. So I always say for food companies, uh, if you can, definitely try and start with some farmer's markets. Even if you're also ready to go to grocery stores, do that. But farmer's markets give you the direct feedback from customers uh, that it's hard to get doing a demo in a grocery store or just having your product sit on a shelf or in a cooler or freezer uh, in a grocery store. So it's given us, even over six years, a lot of ability to test different things. Um, and even if we're just selling the six normal SKUs of granola in a bag, you see the regular customers come back over and over again and say, no matter what, I will be a four plus fan for the rest of my life. It's better than any product. And it's just nice to hear that reassurance every once in a while. That's, uh, that's exactly how I felt. Um, trying your granola for the first time. Because, um, you know, you go, you guys know, you go into the grocery store and it's like a whole aisle dedicated to granola and yeah. it's pretty much hit or miss. Um, and you don't necessarily know what's in it. So right. um, it was great trying your granola and being able to just kind of stock my whole office here with <laughs> granola. Um, and everybody loves it and I give it to my clients and tell Love everybody it. to try it. So that's great. Thank you. Thanks. Um, so you guys are a family business. Yep. Yep. How's that? It's exciting. We, yeah, we get a lot. We both love it, I think, and we get the question every once in a while: How do you, how do you work with your brother? How do you work with your parents? Um, but I, I think we uh, we half joke about this, but um, it, we all sort of fell into our roles sort of naturally. Um, we we never really had to you know fight for Will's position of you know chief operating officer, uh, or he wasn't you know chomping at the bit to get out on the road and go make sales like I do. Um, and, and our mom, Cordy loves to, you know, experiment with different recipes and baking and she loves sort of mastering, um, uh, her recipes and refining them. Um, and then our dad who is involved as well, um, sort of, you know, let's say 30% of the time, uh, in an advisory role, uh, just loves the, the gritty nature of startups and, um, building something. Uh, and, you know, doing deals and, and things like that. And so uh, he's been able to help us, you know, start this thing from the ground uh, and grow to where we are today, but also, you know, look at the future of, of how do we want this to be, you know, a much larger company still with our, our uh, family roots and, and small story startup. Yeah, I, I joke with my friends because they all, they all ask me how I can work with my family. And I, I hear stories about their coworkers, and I, I don't know how you work with strangers basically because uh it's we don't we don't really butt heads but if, if there are issues you know we've been dealing with each other for almost 30 years now and so i know how to talk to my family honestly without it being confrontational so we there's no there's no secrets there's no workplace politics and and i think it works out great that's great so how many employees do you guys actually have so we've got the four of us who started it um, in the family, and then actually my dad's brother is uh, is with us as well. So he has a background as a chef in a restaurant. Uh, he started coming down to help us uh, probably four years ago now, maybe a little bit more. Um, like once or twice a week, he was up in uh, Saratoga, New York, and he just kind of wanted to show us how to run a real commercial kitchen, and we just kept needing him more and more and eventually he, he moved down here and he's with us full time so that makes five and we have three employees that we hired uh, in the last year and a half or so to work in the kitchen with us. Um, we do use some 
some contract workers for some merchandising services and stuff. But yeah, the, full, the full-time employees uh, that work here in Norwalk uh, are eight. So can you guys tell me about yourself? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, well, it's funny. I'll start uh, in Will's background uh, is going to sound shockingly uh, familiar to mine, even though we do completely different things. Um, we both you know, we grew up in New Canaan, um, so we, we know this area. Uh, went, uh, started rowing in high school, and that definitely took over uh, a lot of my life and directed where I, I went off uh, to college um, to keep rowing. That was up at Trinity in Hartford. Um, graduated with a degree in political science, concentration in international relations, has nothing to do with sales and granola and, and baking, <laughs> but um, you know the you, you heard the the background of how we got started, and, and uh, I think the benefit of the liberal arts education helped us sort of morph what we learned um, in in different projects and classes, um, uh, taking those skills of of learning something entirely new and either writing a, a paper about it or conducting a project with with uh, other students into building this business and figuring it out as we've gone along. Um, but uh, my role in the, the business is sort of chief revenue officer. I, I go out and I, I manage all the sales, uh, whether that's new business, existing business, distributors. Um, I definitely have a hand in product formulation as we try and expand um, our SKUs and, and our offerings. Uh, but primarily, um, I'm on the road every day calling on existing stores, picking up new ones um, as we get on big batches of stores, figuring out how to manage that new business uh, executing our promotions, doing demos and events on the weekends. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of regular work that has to happen Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday and Sunday, when all the you know regular nine to fivers are out shopping and you know enjoying these events, that's when we're out there trying to reach those customers. Um, and so I, I have previously spent a lot of time in grocery stores. I'm trying to manage that schedule a little bit more now for the future, um, but it's it's very much a big part of, of my role and what I see in day-to-day. Uh, -day. Yeah, so very similar story, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I also started rowing uh, in high school uh, at St. Luke's in New Canaan and followed Nate to Trinity, where I rowed as well. And I settled on the same major, political science. Wow. Same focus. <laughs> the same advisor. Same advisor. Yeah, it was rowing was, was pretty much my life for uh, six or seven years. And um, leaving college, I, my goal was to make it uh, to the Olympics, and I found that it was something, that training effort was something that I was no longer really passionate enough about. I was very passionate about it, but I was, I was at a, I guess you could call it a, a pre-Olympic training camp, and found that the guys there were just kind of on a different level than I was, mm -hmm. so I kind of took a step back and sort of reevaluated that part of my life, I guess. And at the same time, I, I happened to hurt myself, which made the decision very easy to step back from rowing. And I thought a lot about kind of, you know, what I enjoyed about rowing, and that kind of led me to diving into 4 Plus with, with Nate and the family. And uh, Nate mentioned the sort of liberal arts education and what that taught us and, and how to be good problem solvers and lateral thinkers and I guess that's sort of what I really enjoyed about the business was being able to solve problems every day, kind of see new things, learn new things. And for Nate, it kind of led him to being on the road and, and selling granola. And for me, it kind of led to 
uh, sitting in the office and, and figuring out everything that came along with the success that Nate was having, basically. So, Nate, you mentioned um, working throughout the week and then doing product demos and things like that on the weekends, and yeah. I'm sure that you do a lot of that, too, and um, not a lot of uh, work-life balance in a small or family business, is there? No. So how do you guys kind of manage that? Uh, there were definitely a few years in there when I was scheduling, quote-unquote, private time, you know, like a, a weekend off to go travel or, or take a break. Uh uh, or just have something off with my now wife. Um, so it's, but recently has been more of a, a shift into um, understanding and maximizing our efforts um, instead of just sort of blanketing an area where I say, oh, wow, you know, it's going to be a high volume shopping day at, at Whole Foods and Dairy and I got to go demo. Yeah, okay, well, we'll definitely pick up some customers through that and we'll sell some granola, but I do need to just understand that I can't go seven days a week because at some point it'll definitely burn out. Um, and if you do that for six months in a row, then the efforts on six months and day one are going to be a lot less than what they should be uh, had you taken the breaks uh, leading up to that. Um, you know, Will's role is a little bit more balanced. You definitely do put in efforts over the weekends, especially when we get in the farmer's market season because that happens at least every other Saturday. Um, and then we've got some running races that we're trying to be a part of this year, uh, some cycling races and, and just other things that come up. Um, but as you know, as any entrepreneur, whether it's a food business or, or anything else, you definitely have to be, just be conscious of scheduling some of your own personal time. Um, and don't feel, don't feel ashamed of, of taking it. You know, you hear the, you hear the stories of guys in you know Silicon Valley or coders that are working 20 hour days and, going home or sleeping under their desk uh, in their office. And, you know, that's okay. That works for a very small number of people. And sometimes those very small number of people grow, you know, billion dollar companies from, from the efforts that they put in. But it's not natural for, for most entrepreneurs. You absolutely have to, you know, work hard and, and the hours are weird. Um, and the days that you, you take uh, to work are, you know, more so than just somebody who's punching the clock at a regular job. But, you know, that's... If you're successful, that's you know that's what you have to put in early on in order to build something that's that's great at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And when we started, we were all living under one roof. Uh, we were living yeah. at home with our parents <laughs> uh, to save money. We were keeping all the money in the business, so we we work all day and then we go home and we talk about it over dinner. And at a certain point, yeah. uh, we just decided we need to have even amongst the four of us some personal time. So we made rules about when we could talk about work and when it was personal time. Uh, so I think now that we're both living on our own, it's just not even ha like having that physical separation helps a lot, at least for me. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't do as many samplings as Nate. So the weekends I can kind of, uh, just kind of naturally relax a little bit more, but it's also just kind of become a mental process of kind of checking out for a few hours, uh, whenever we can. I can, uh, completely understand the, uh, living with parents when you work with them. Yeah. Since I work for my mom and I've been here 12 years. And so obviously when I started, yeah. I lived at home and uh, it's hard. You definitely have to think about, you know, separation when you do live together and say, okay, well, we don't need to talk about what happened with this client today or right, right. whatever. So I get it. Um, I know you were nervous for this one. <laughs> if you could describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Do you want me to start? <laughs> I agree. You go. I'll get maybe I'll get some inspiration. <laughs> I was gonna say passionate. Okay. Um, 
you want me to elaborate? Sure. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm definitely passionate about our business. Uh, it's for me, it's it's easy to go do a demo, and you know, my my sort of hook for a customer walking by is, hey, do you want to taste my mom's granola? And people, you know, they do a double take, or they'll be looking at a bag and ask me about it. I say, yeah, you know, it's uh, they're all my mom's recipes and blah blah blah, and they'll look at me. Wait, your mom makes this? So yeah. And sometimes they go, oh, you're such a good son, you know, selling your mom's granola <laughs> on the weekend. I'm like, well, this is actually my full-time job, too. But um, I'm, I'm just passionate about it. Not, I'm not passionate necessarily about granola or, or food in general, um, but I'm passionate about the fact that uh, I know Will is sitting back in the office at his desk, you know, grinding away, trying to figure out, you know, how do we, we make our efforts um, uh, to the best of their ability. My mom and uncle are in the kitchen, you know, making the granola. The guys are in the kitchen. Uh, making and packing the granola, uh, you know, our dad is worried about, okay, how do we, you know, put the next distributor together or, you know, how do we get these other SKUs out there? Um, and so I, you know, there are many different ways that you can produce a, a food product. The fact that we're producing it and I'm directly connected to that keeps me, you know, driving forward on it. And then outside of, of the, uh, the food business, you know, rowing is something that I started in 2002 and just have not given up since then. I've, I've said had some ups and downs in the last six years starting the business and, and the hours they have to put in for that. So I haven't always been getting up to go practice or race on the weekends, but um, it's something that keeps me so directly focused and centered uh, as an outlet from uh, work uh, and that, that part of your life that it's something I will never, ever give up. It's, you know, I, I want to keep that in my life. And I'm very passionate about that. So does that help? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm passionate as well, but I'm not as outwardly passionate, I guess, as you are, which is why you are obviously the salesman and I'm not. Um, so I, I think with that in mind, I, I consider myself more maybe thoughtful. I, don't okay. know that's the right word. I, I think I, I internalize a lot of the work I do and and uh, I, I try to think about it and before making decisions. And I think that kind of lends itself well to my, my role of, of being in the office and and working through a lot of the, the operating, I wouldn't say problems, but just sort of the day-to-day operating job. Yeah. And then tying it to rowing, I, I always loved rowing and, and now I, I run. I love both of those things because it kind of lets me get into my head and sort of sift through things. And I don't know. Well, you've but, said about running what you like about it and you don't listen to music or podcasts at some point, but now I guess you're listening to podcasts more recently, yeah. but you liked it because you could just sort of think and process things throughout the day and not have to concentrate on anything else. Yeah. But even with music and, and podcasts in the background, it's, it's very much in the background. I'll, I'll finish a run and I'll realize I didn't hear anything for the last yeah. half hour. Cause it's just kind of staying in my head. Um, well, the next question is what are you into outside of work um, <laughs> outside of, a lot of cardio that I will never partake. <laughs> um, what else are you guys doing? I mentioned running. I've been I've been trying to do more races, and you can see I've got a nice ankle brace on right now from, from running. Um, I like hiking as well. My girlfriend and I try to find a new place to go hike on the weekend, especially now that it's getting warm. Yeah. But outside of that, I've been getting into making bread recently. Okay. So I like to bake bread right. and. It's it's been a good escape as well. It's it's food related, but it's it's just a passion. And my parents asked me recently about what it would take to start selling bread if I made it, and I just said 
nope, sorry, it's nope. not. This is going to be a hobby and, and nothing else. So uh, I try. I haven't done it that much recently, but for a while it was like every weekend I, I try to make some sort of bread. Like a different, do you try to master like one type of bread and move on to the next? Or every weekend you're like, I'm going to try this different kind and then this uh, one and that one. So it's it started with basically what you call country, like a country loaf of bread. Yeah. And it's, it's just very simple. The ingredients are just flour, water, salt, and yeast. And it was something I tried because a friend of mine made a really good loaf of bread for Thanksgiving a couple of years ago. And it, it's something in it just like I clicked, like I would love to try making that. And so I got into that and I loved just the kind of the simple process of combining these really basic ingredients. A good recipe might take 48 hours from start to finish. And there's something I loved about putting work in the recipe on a Saturday morning and not seeing the result and seeing the impact of what the specific things you did, not seeing them until Sunday evening, basically. So it started with that. And it's, I branched out a little bit. I made bagels, croissants, uh, I made soda bread a couple weeks ago for St. Patrick's day. Um, but it's been pretty like kind of tight in that world. I'm not branching out too far, but it's all like kind of around the same idea of just kind of, different little tweaks you make and seeing how big of a difference they can make in the final product. My wife has asked me why I'm not into making bread. Oh. Uh, and I said, no, it's Will's thing. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, we have a, we have a dog who takes up a lot of our time, um, just in the, the nightly routines of having to take her out. But, uh, the nice thing about having her has actually, it's kept me, uh, you know, more conscious of my schedule over the weekends, you know, being yeah. able to go take her out to a new park or a new hike or, you know, doing something with other friends that have dogs. Uh, it's kind of cliche, but it's, you know, one of those things that's just helped keep us a little more centered to home and, and together as a, a couple. And it's, it's been nice, uh, addition to, to the family. Um, but also I have a motorcycle and so that helps get me out on the road as well. Um, I think part of why I like the, the sales stuff that I do is I get to drive and explore a lot of different areas. And not just on the highway, like tons of back roads. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just came from Southbury, Connecticut, and I think I was on a highway for 12 minutes of a one-hour drive. And I love that because you see parts of, in this case, Connecticut that you just don't normally see. And the same thing on the motorcycle. Never get on the highway, just back roads, and, and I like exploring new areas. Um, but I also have a podcast uh, with a friend that yes. is at least a weekly activity. Um we try and get an episode a week out, and so we're recording, you know, one or two a week, and that's a fun outlet to to talk about other random things, completely, <clears throat> excuse me, completely separate from work, yeah, uh, or home life. So, uh, what kind of dog do you have? She is a lab terrier mix, but okay. I swear I think she's ninety nine percent terrier. Okay. Uh, the shelter sold her as a lab mix because they wanted her adopted, <laughs> but she's crazy. And what's her name? Rocky. You have a dog? I do. I have a pit bull. Okay. Yeah. Her name is Nana. How big? She's about 45 pounds. Okay. That's so a good she size. only comes up to like maybe my knee. Yeah. Yeah. She's little. Pit bulls are great dogs. I don't know why they get such a, a bad knock. They do get a bad knock. I think people expect dogs. No, this is like an off topic rant, which is fine. <laughs> um, expect dogs to act like humans. Yeah. And so just respecting the fact that dogs are dogs and that they have their own personality so my dog maybe isn't the my dog is a rescue um and she's not necessarily a breed ambassador 
Um, but she's super sweet with the people she loves and trusts, but she was obviously mistreated before I got her. But I understand that, and so I would never put her in a situation where she might be uncomfortable um, to react in a certain way that people would be upset about. And I think people put their dogs, tend to put their dogs in situations that people are comfortable with, but dogs may not be, um, and they don't respect the boundaries. Totally agree. And pit bulls, I think, just because they're very strong, and they're kind of like blocky in their head, and they've got big teeth, people just assume they're going to be more aggressive. They're not. They're they're really... You know, loving dogs. Yeah. One of the best family home dogs to have. Yep. She's cute. I can't <laughs> complain. But she definitely takes me out. Yeah. So, like, on the weekends, I, I'm always conscious about, like, exactly. oh, how long have I been out? I need to go home. We need to go do something with the dog, especially now that it's night, getting nice out. Right. Yeah, yeah the weather change is, uh, is a big difference. So, what are you guys hoping to achieve this year? Um, that's kind of a broad question, so that can be personal and or with 4+, plus and, you know, what's happening this year? Well, I mean, obviously, on the work front, we, we want to grow our, our footprint. You can measure that in a number of different ways. There's sales metrics. There are account uh, numbers that we want to achieve. But the reality is the, the success of the, of the granola business can... Uh, can be achieved just in sort of this geographical area that we've currently opened up from, you know, northern New Jersey up into Maine. And there's a lot of um, accounts that we could infill in this territory alone. So we'd like to try and focus on that density through this year instead of, you know, trying to expand into Ohio or Florida or picking up these big national chains. There are definitely opportunities to do that, but I think the focus for this year is going to be how do we just... uh, absolutely dominate our backyard we want to be the top granola in connecticut for sure um and you know if you can't if you can't dominate your own hometown in your backyard then you know you don't want to be a a middle player through the rest of the the country or or this region um but we've we've seen success in this new york greater new york metro area and as we've expanded into boston it's important that we solidify uh those accounts and and deepen our growth outside of work I'm trying to launch another business, okay. um, but it's just kind of like a side project with two friends, one of them who I do the, the podcast with, uh, and it's like a real estate uh, drone videography and photography thing. That's cool. Um, and that was mostly just because I, I, I loved flying the drone and seeing the, the aerial images of this area. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm hoping to get that kicked off the ground uh, with these two friends, just because there's a lot of opportunity in this area. Yeah, and that could be really interesting as all the construction is changing everything. And you can do a lot of it outside of just real estate. As we've been posting things on Instagram, we've had uh, Norwalk Cove Marina reach out to us, say, hey, we want you to do a promo video for our marina. Yeah. Uh, And then just because we shot some some water footage, we had three people that were trying to sell their boats. Hey, I want you to do um, a listing for my boat. You know, we'll go take it out of the water. Uh, Architects want video and photos of their project as it progresses. You're talking about construction. Yeah. Um, and then other events, running races here in Norwalk in the area. And everybody wants something that's just a little bit different that helps them stand out. So yeah. uh, it's one more time suck on the weekend for sure because the four plus business is, is definitely the, the first priority. But uh, it's something fun to do with friends and, and it's just a, a neat little side project. That's cool. How about you? Uh, I guess adding to the work side, something our parents told us from the beginning of this business was uh, if you create distribution, you create value. So we've sort of had in our minds all along that um, 
once we were into some stores, there's there's more we can do there than just sell more bags of our granola. So yeah. uh, we finally feel like we're at a point where we are comfortable maybe releasing some new products. Okay. So we've been pretty much the last three weeks, uh, most afternoons and evenings, been spending time kind of working on new products that we've had in the back of our head for a while. And right. hopefully in the next few weeks, maybe if we're lucky, we'll be pushing at least one of them out there. Uh, we've talked to a few of our local grocers about it. They're on board. Uh, there's th- these are things that we've already sold a little bit in farmer's markets. Yeah. And uh, so we, I, I, I sort of see this year as a year that we can kind of grow the business, not just the footprint, but with new products and kind of more expansion within the, the stores where we currently sell. And you'll be getting samples of that. Oh, right? yes. I'm, <laughs> so I'm really get excited. I'm already thinking about <laughs> what else can be coming. We, yeah. When we started this, it wasn't about hitting any trends. Yeah. Um, you know, especially had we gone to the, the granola aisle when we started the business and saw 22 other brands at Whole Foods, we probably would have said, no, well, I think we'll pass. But um, <laughs> we were kind of naive and, and blind to that uh, and just let our customers sort of demand the, um, the expansion into grocery stores. But um, we, we make a simple product using simple ingredients, um, but it just happens to taste really good and it's low in sugar um, and just has a lot of health benefits to it. So if we can figure out how to take those, those base recipes that Cordy has come up with um, and put them into uh, or combine them with some other, you know, maybe functional ingredients and whether that's a higher protein content or something with probiotics or um, things that are a little bit more on trend but aren't still just trying to capture right in the immediate moment. Yeah. Um, although there's, there's one that's uh, a little bit more immediate that we're, we're experimenting with, but um, just something that uh, grows on our, our, our base four ingredients that's still really healthy, good for you, um, doesn't have a whole bunch of filler ingredients and things that you can't pronounce. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity for that in these these different um, uh, skews that we're, we're we're messing around with right now. So uh, that's a good point of, of trying to get those into the stores just outside of our, our six flavors. Yeah, I think we have to because we we wrote a blog post recently saying keep an eye out for new products. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I remember hitting publish thinking this will hold us accountable. It keeps we, us honest. We talked about it for a while, and, and there's various reasons why we didn't, but. Uh, as soon as we put that out, I said, all right, we're going to have at least, you know, 75, 100 people who read this that'll say, what gives? You said you're going yeah. to bring out some new products this year. So I think I think we'll be there in the next few weeks. I think we will be. And actually, I've told a few of our of our key grocers that it's coming. And so like, great, great. And giving them samples. And they're like, tell us when it's here and we'll put it on the shelf. <laughs> so, okay. So it's teed up. Nate's done his part. Now I've got to do mine. I, actually, right before I came here, I was working on labels and Stuff like that. And when we get back, we'll be doing that as well. So, uh, we got bags coming next week. So I'm we'll sick see. of trying samples, though. I'm done. <laughs> well, we, we can cover just it over here. here. Yeah. 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 There's plenty. Dude, we have a, we have a, a uh, <laughs> filing cabinet in our office, and the top of the filing cabinet is just covered in different iterations of, of new products. Yeah. Some of them aren't edible, probably, because they just <laughs> didn't turn out well. Mm. We couldn't just throw them away. I totally lost my train of thought. Oh, I was thinking about how um, you were saying, and I said it too, that you go into kind of like a Whole Foods or a grocery store and you're like, oh, 80 different granolas. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think something that people maybe don't know, I'm a texture person, like 100%. um, And there are some products out there that are 
really just an odd texture. They're too crunchy or they're too, they taste kind of, they have like a stale texture or whatever. Um, and I just want to let you guys know that your granola has the best texture. Excellent. And I eat a lot of granola. So. And that's a lot of people have picked up on that. It's not too dry. It's not too crunchy. It's not too soft. And we actually, we got into our first grocery store because a customer says it, it didn't hurt her teeth. And she pitched that to the owner of the grocery store as, well, there you go. as the selling point. So, all right. <laughs> I think she even said, you have a lot of older customers who will care about this. And he's looking around the store like, oh, yeah, it's probably, probably right. <laughs> uh, but Nate mentioned the, the farmer's market earlier being a good place to get customer feedback. And, and that is something we heard uh, continuously from people. And, and I think Nate also said, if, if we had seen the shelf before we started selling, we never would have done it. And uh, so I think we were lucky in that we didn't know what we were doing. We didn't go out and, and test the market. We just started selling it and getting the positive feedback. And we started hearing about the texture being better. And we realized that's something that we need to kind of lock in on and, and make sure people know yeah. when we're doing samplings and getting into new markets. Yeah. It makes me think of, um, you guys met Steve from Northeast Kombucha. Yeah. Um, and he has kind of a similar story. Obviously, he's a little bit further behind than you guys in his startup process. Um, but that he had tried all these, you know, kombuchas, uh, and he was like, this is terrible. Uh, no yeah. one would drink this. And then really his good. immediate reaction was, well, let me try to make it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, his kombucha is really good. It's different than everybody else's. Um, and so it was just interesting to see how people find other products, and then they're like, oh, well, I could do this better. Yeah. Um, so... And it's cool that there are people out there still doing that. And kombucha is definitely of the moment and is having yeah. its uh, its high moment. Although I think it'll, I think it'll probably have some good staying power. Yeah. Um, but it's just nice to hear that people are still out there doing that when there are already so many brands out, you know, selling these products. Just say, you know what, I'm not happy with any of these, and I'm going to make my own. And if enough people like it, also, then maybe I'll start sharing with more people. Yep. And that's another Norwalk company. Everybody should come to Norwalk. Yeah, yeah. Norwalk is uh, is definitely a bustling <laughs> food place. So it is. It is. And there's and you plenty of places to live now too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. And there, we're gonna have more places to we live. Have to eat more. <laughs> Can you guys talk to me about people that have had an impact on you as leaders uh, as you're running your company? Obviously, our dad and mom and mom. Yes. Um, you know, mom definitely was the one who helped take us this uh, the leap of faith uh, to get well, it out there. We also knew that she'd be the, uh, kind of the burden would be on her once we did start the company to, yeah. to yeah. do a lot of the, she still bakes it every day. So uh, she was very much on us to be serious about it. Uh, so she's kind of held us accountable. From the yeah. Um, but I, I say, I say dad only because he's helped direct our scattered thoughts um, and also guide us into thinking in the right way of, of how to approach starting a business and, and how do we grow it. Um, outside of uh, outside of our dad, we've actually we've had a, um, a more recent mentor over the last two years or so, um, uh, Gary Breitbart. Um, and once he's with... He's with the Business Council. Okay. okay. Um, and he has he's helped us really hone in on on what our next steps are and how do we get this from the smaller level where we are to, you know, tens of millions of sales and uh, something that's really competing with uh, the other big guys on the shelf. Well, I think on a personal level, you'd probably agree that a lot of our own coaches have been for sure good leaders. And it's, it's 
to me, I when I think about people whose leadership style I want to emulate, it's it's people who are direct. Uh, they're not they're not negative, but they tell you what they really think, and if they don't think you're doing a good job at something, they'll they'll tell you that. And I've had more rowing coaches than I can count, and there are ones that give you feedback if you're doing something wrong, and I leave there thinking that person's a jerk. And then there's another person who's saying, delivering the same message, but in a different way. And I leave there with nothing but respect for them. So for me, that was always something that I've, I've kind of kept in the back of my head where someday I'll need to use this and I want to make sure I can kind of emulate what they were doing. I can relate to, uh, I grew up riding horses and um, competing um, and now I'm a weightlifter, uh, and my coaches have always been invaluable in teaching me. Some of them taught me some bad habits, and then some taught me, obviously, how to be strong or, you know, proactive about training or whatever. Um, and a lot of the stuff I learned from them crosses over into how I run the company here and what I'm doing. And so um, I absolutely agree that, you know, athletic coaches can be some great uh, assets when you're younger to yeah. help you grow. Definitely. I have a side question. Yeah. Um, how does the granola fit into your nutrition and your your diet plan for weightlifting? Because it's you know one of those things that's um, it's not high in protein. Yeah. Uh, it's you know it's a carb, which sometimes uh, for uh, strength activity can be a, not a negative, but just not beneficial or an additive. Um, or is it one of those things like you just need calories for the sake of calories? Um, so I usually. Uh well, I'll be upfront that I have a bag of granola in my desk. I have one in my gym bag. Um, so in the middle, I'm eating granola in the middle of workout yeah. just because I love it. Um, whether that's good or not, I don't know. But um, <laughs> usually in the morning, um, I do like yogurt and then your granola and a banana or some sort of other fruit, blueberries or something like that. I tend to do kind of carb-heavy breakfasts mm-hmm. uh, and then less carbs during the day uh, unless I'm really feeling tired at the gym. Um, and I usually have a protein shake to go with it, so I'm making yep. sure I get what I want. But um, I don't eat a lot of gluten. Um, I get migraines, so the yeah. gluten seems to trigger that. Uh, so it's great that I can eat this product without having to worry about that. Um, and then I actually like the nutty one, so yeah. it has all the nuts in it. So yeah, okay. it's like, a bestseller. This has protein. <laughs> yeah. It is. The, nut, the nuts are definitely a little better for us. So. Yeah. Um, but I did really like the cranberry chocolate. Uh, cherry chocolate? Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. Yes. There's um, a cranberry nut, although we've messed up a few times and it has been cranberry chocolate, right? Or I think we should do it the other way. We've done cherry nut. Cherry nut. Okay. <laughs> the cranberries and cherries look so similar. Every once in a while, someone puts yeah. cherries on the cranberry. And they both nut. start with C. So yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, actually, so at the open house, you guys brought um, granola mm-hmm. and someone, I was like, this cherry chocolate is probably one of the best ones that I. Here. I think I noticed it wasn't there. Someone took it. Yeah. <laughs> it's addictive. No, it's, it's a really killer combination. Yeah. Um, but I put I actually put your granola on top of my oatmeal, which is like yeah. probably ridiculous. Double, double you know. I do that too. I, I can't stand the, the mushy texture mm-hmm. of oatmeal, so I need a little bit of the you know the bite to it. And yeah. I will, I'll put uh, four plus into it. Yeah. I don't know. So. I'll put it in anything basically. Yeah. That's yeah. Fine. <laughs> Interesting. Then you're I you you are our ideal customer because we we do say with these little snack packs every once in a while, have it in your gym bag while you're working out, and 
you know, Will and I will put them in the back of our bike jerseys as we're as we're out on the road, or if it seals well, I have it in my rowing boat. You know, it's not going to get wet yeah. or spoiled or anything. But for those longer workouts, it's definitely you know, it's not something that's weighing you down or one of those gels that's just really sweet and sticky. You just yeah. a couple pinches of that, and it, it actually does a good job of holding you over. Yep, I completely agree. I think it's funny. So I. I'm a strong woman and power lifter, mm-hmm. um, but I train in a CrossFit gym. Okay. Um, and so my CrossFit gym is full of really amazing athletes. So I'm mm-hmm. not like shitting on them, but um, they're all pretty young. The yeah. ones that are trying to, you know, go to the games and stuff. And uh, they'll eat like gummy worms and energy <laughs> drinks in their mid-workout. Like, I just can't. Like, I'm yeah. over 30. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. That's just yeah, not going to work. Yeah. And so um, the granola is a great just Perfect. mid-workout push so and it's not you can't really bring like a banana to the gym right, right? So what are you going to do with it yeah like, so. fold it over like, it <laughs> yeah. nothing to see here <laughs> so um so i know that i would be a terrible regular employee somewhere else even though my mom has told me several times that that's not true but i think she's biased <laughs> if you guys had to find a job outside of four plus what would you do hmm. I, I'll be honest, I do think about that quite often, um, not because I want to leave the, the company um, or, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this ends soon, uh, but because I, I'm kind of spoiled when I get to go sort of, quote, unquote, set my own hours and drive around where I want to drive around and go see the places I want to see. Um, obviously, they're directed by, by work, but I, I do think about that. Like, I'd be a terrible regular. There's no way. If, like, some boss was hounding me because I was in it. 805 or 905 instead of you know on the dot um that wouldn't work for me structured you know one showers and stuff like that even though we have that for some of our employees uh, <laughs> at, at the uh, at the kitchen um i would definitely not fit into that role either so i don't know I, if it's something in sales um i, I would love that because you know the the interaction with with clients and customers is um is fascinating to me and, and talking to people uh, and working with them either through their issues or their uh, growth strategies. I, frankly, I mean, what little I know about strategy leaders, um, but just in the open house and talking to Andy and talking to you um, and poking around on your website even more, that seems like a much more interesting avenue of, of business to go into. And you say, it's funny, you would be a terrible regular employee. In my mind, it's like, well, no, this is an office setting. And like, aren't you just a regular employee? But <laughs> No, you, you get your hands involved in a lot of different businesses and get to talk to a lot of different business leaders and, and employees of other companies. Uh, and I think that's more interesting than just being on you know one rail and, and one channel of, of trying to grow something. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine you're probably the same way, although you might go into something a little more institutional. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think about it sometimes as well. And Whenever this ends, however it ends, like we obviously have to move on to something else. And I think I've I've come to the realization that I I would love to say in the food and beverage industry. Okay. Um, I mean, there's security in the sense that people are always going to be, you know, the the, the industry's not going anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's obviously going to change, but um, I think we've got really great kind of hands-on grassroots experience that could be taken to another company or or some tangential industry. Uh, and it's, it's interesting. I think it's, it's fascinating seeing the trends of, of what people are eating. And it's, it's very tangible where you can talk to anyone about it. And even though they don't know the specifics of what you're doing, 
it's relatable. So you can you can always kind of hold a conversation with someone. I, I like that. I think I would actually make a very good regular employee. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I think I actually respond well to a little bit more structure. Okay. Um, That's why you're the you operations want to be, Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but you want to be a higher up? Like, you don't want to be an associate. No, but, you know, if you, if you do well <laughs> at the lower level, right. you know, you, yeah. you get no place you hire. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not C-suite, but... <laughs> well, I think, I think going back to the rowing and what it, it's helped with, rowing is, is very... There's a lot of individual work. You're training on your own a lot of the time, especially if you want to be very good. You're doing a lot of indoor rowing on the rowing machine or just strength training, and it's very much an individual effort. But in a boat, it's it's described as the ultimate team sport. So I think that's very conducive to a large work environment where you're doing a like you you're physically sitting at a desk doing all of your own work, but it's within the context of a bigger team. And that's something I always loved about rowing and I think I would enjoy in a big environment is kind of taking my contributions and adding it to a, a larger effort and seeing how they all kind of gel together. So I guess we're different in that sense. We, we have very similar paths to where we've gotten to today, but like I said, <laughs> our roles are entirely different. Our interests are different. To your point. So we do, for me personally, like we do... We are an office, obviously. This is an office setting. Um, but if someone was here, like, okay, it's 9.30, and you're not here, oh, no, that would never work. Yeah. Or if I don't. So, obviously, when you work with uh, a parent who is your boss, um, your communication is a little different than if it was just, like, Mr. Smith, your boss. Mm-hmm. Um, and to not be able to have that open communication with a superior would just... I would quit. Yeah. Sure. I wouldn't be able to deal with it. Yeah. And I obviously have a lot of friends who work regular nine to fives. They clock in and out. They don't work on the weekends. You know, they don't even think about work on the weekends. And I'm like, that's, I don't know how you do that. Right. But I can't do that. So I would make a terrible employee. If it pays a healthy salary, you know, you can do, probably unplug on Saturday, yeah. Sunday. That's true. That's true. It's kind of a relief though. I, I, a couple of years ago, I was actually working at a restaurant just part time. And it, it really struck me how different it is when it's not your company or it's not something that takes up all of your time. I walked in there one day and I hadn't been working for four or five days and there had been a fire in the restaurant and, <laughs> and I had no idea. And I was like, well, what happened? I'm like, oh, there's a fire in the kitchen. It's like, is everything fine? And like, yeah, everything's fine now. And so I'd, I'd left the restaurant one day. The next day there's a fire. Four days later I come back and everything in my world is the same, like nothing has changed. And I thought in that moment, I'm glad everyone's okay, I'm glad the restaurant's fine, and it is so nice that something like that can happen and I, it just has no effect on me. It Obviously, it's, it's great to take ownership and like see the, there's a lot of great things that go along with that, but sometimes it's nice when it's just not your problem, basically. I could understand that. Yeah. I personally believe that um, life is all about education, right? You're always learning new things. Things are being thrown out. You have to learn how to adapt and change. How do you guys best learn new things when you have to learn something? I try to be hands-on. I know I said I was thoughtful before. I, <laughs> I think I do. I, I try to think through a lot of problems in my head, but ultimately I don't really get something right until I do it. And I think that's also why I like bread and making bread is that it's very hands-on and like, physically using my hands to kind of work through a problem 
it's very beneficial to me. So whether it's these new products that we're developing or selling on Amazon, I just like to kind of collect the information we need and then just try things. And if it doesn't work, go back and, and try something else and just be mindful of the process and kind of what's going well, what's not, and just kind of re, like doing new iterations that way. Okay. Yeah, being hands-on is a great way to, to explain that as, you know, talking about the, the new SKUs and new items. Um, if, you know, we're, there's the formulation issue and then what the product is actually going to be, but um, simultaneously as we're doing that in the kitchen, I'm also into our grocery stores and talking to the owners and the grocery managers saying, okay, what kind of products do you guys have that's similar to this? What's the price point? You know, where is it displayed? Is it in the same aisle as our granola? Or is it in a different aisle, nutrition bar or cookies? Or is it frozen? Is it dairy? You know, where do you guys, um, where do you guys show this stuff? And if I'm going to produce this, would you give us, you know, this space? You know, what, you know, what kind of flexibility do I have? So that um, instead of just sort of creating it in uh, the secrecy of our kitchen and then going to the grocery and say, hey, we have this product. Look, it's perfect. It's great. They said, well, actually, it doesn't fit on the shelf where we would then display it. Okay, well, you did all that work without actually doing the hands-on, uh, you know, groundwork uh, research. Um, but, I mean, we still, you, you can Google tons of different questions and there's, there's, tons of information out there that we have yeah. found uh, as, you know, a, a relatively small, successful food company. There are some basic things that we don't know, whether it's an acronym or uh, something promotion related or discount related, you know, just trying to get that information. You'd be surprised at actually what is available to, um, to entrepreneurs and, and food companies, especially. And then this network of other companies that we've uh, tapped into, uh, whether it's through the Chamber of Commerce or it's through Nelly or it's through a couple of the other things, uh, meeting these companies at farmers markets or um, other uh, small businesses distributing to grocery stores, you start to see each other on a regular basis, uh, tapping that network and asking them questions. Because sometimes uh, somebody has experienced a problem that you were just coming up on, found the right solution and are able to talk you through it. So it's, it's definitely not a textbook, you know, straight and narrow uh, figure out a problem, you know, two plus two sort of thing. But that's part of, I think that's what's fun about having a, this kind of a business. Yeah. Uh, is experiencing issues, problems, or, or, or different things that come up and, and figuring out the best way to, to get to the solution. What are some of the core values that you guys have at 4 Plus? I think family's a big one, obviously. Half, more than half of us in the business are part of the family, but uh, whether it's explicitly stated or not, we We've, we've tried to hold our other employees kind of to the same standards that we hold of ourselves, but also treat them the same way we treat one another, which is as a family. And you know, I, I guess I'll speak from sort of the operation side, and you can sort of see, speak from the sales and product side. But within the kitchen, it's I, I've noticed that we try to give our employees some of the flexibility that we give one another. So if someone needs a last-minute day off or they're taking a longer vacation or they're whatever it is we've always been very open and accepting of each other's schedules as a family so we try to extend that to them but at the same time like i think we can be kind of harder on our employees and and kind of expect the same things that we expect of one another i know i'm very hard on scheduling you mentioned mm -hmm. people coming in late and stuff like that I might be a little too hard, but it's, I, you know, we do it to one another. I think the first time someone ever told me 
I need to keep regular hours was you, Nate, probably four or five years ago. <laughs> I'd kind of meander in between eight and nine, and, and you said something about just being at eight or something like that. So now, Maybe. <laughs> if it's eight o'clock, you kind of have to be there. And uh, I hold our employees to that. So I think family is part of how we got started, and I think it's sort of part of our, our identity at this point, and we try to extend that to everybody. Yeah, I would agree with that because it's um, um, the family story is on our bag. It's on our website. Um, the story of how we got started is very much part of our image. Uh, our name is on the bag, um, especially when we're out there doing a lot of these sales efforts. It's it's very family forward. Um, but the, I think the other uh, the big key to to what we do, you know, first of all, there's for for people that don't know the food world, that you can make your own product in your own commercial kitchen and completely control that end of of the um, manufacturing, or you can go out and get a co-packer, somebody else to make your product for you. Yeah. And that's definitely something we looked at in the past and still continue to look at maybe for other items uh, down the road, but we've made the, the full and conscious decision that we want to be controlling our manufacturing process, certainly on the, the granola front, and you know for a number of different reasons, um, but mainly because we, we are committed to using simple, natural ingredients that you can basically find in your pantry. Our mom came up with a recipe because she went into the closet and said, I've got oats, canola oil, honey, maple syrup, and then pecans, walnuts, and almonds. And that's what, you know, my husband, John, would like. And she has basically stuck to that, you know, those four core ingredients and then just add a few extra different things in there. So um, on the, you know, the sales front, when I'm going to talk to whether it's existing stores, or new stores, at demos, new customers, is we just use simple, natural ingredients in anything that we produce. Even as we get into new SKUs and new items, uh, we're going to start with basic, you know, simple, natural, healthy ingredients. Um, and there's just, to us, there's no need to get any fancier or crazier to, to make a good product. And that's just through constant feedback from our customers over the last six years. And I think related sort of transparency and integrity in, in the products that we do make. We see a lot of people, like a lot of products in the market, using ingredients or making claims that have, you know, that are kind of nothing claims, like fluff, basically. And and we've, we've always kind of steered away from that because we are in constant contact with our customers. And yeah. We don't want to look someone in the eye and tell them that something is good for them if that's not necessarily true or that uh, we only, you know, you know, whatever it is, like we, we decided that. Whatever we're doing, we need to be upfront with our customers, be very honest, and and we have to believe in it. And so the ingredients we use, the, the recipes we've come up with are all things that we firmly believe are the best and, and the right way to be making and consuming granola. And anything that we put out there will be the same. I think um, that just stems from our, our roots of getting started in farmer's markets and with selling to people that we knew personally that we would never want to create something that wasn't that we were not 100% confident standing behind. That's great. Um, a lot of bigger businesses, uh, publicly traded corporate businesses, they do a lot of kind of sketchy, non-transparent things. Yeah. Um, and something that I feel, we you know, we work with a lot of privately held and small businesses and family businesses. And transparency is something, that word comes up a lot um, along with our clients because um, it's something that they really stand behind. Um, I think it's... Uh, something that really sets this market apart from um, a publicly traded corporation. So that's great. Um, yeah. How do you guys encourage 
the other people in your company to uphold those core values? I think it's, again, just sort of kind of treating them the way that we treat one another. And that I guess, you know, that's very simple. You learn as a kid, treat others the way you want to be treated. And uh, I like, I tell the guys in our kitchen that, um, you know, these are the, the expectations and, and kind of things that we set for ourselves and the, the same apply to you. And uh, it's, it's good and bad. And, and we tell them all the recipes, for example, all the recipes we came up with. So if you have an idea for a new recipe, let us know and, and we'll, uh, we'll try it out. So it's sort of about communicating openly with them and letting them know that their opinion matters and, and showing them by kind of taking action. And, and there are certain things that we now do uh, in our production process and things like that that came from our employees kind of speaking up about something because we're learning everything as we go. Yeah. They're learning everything as they go. They have a different perspective than us. So we just we think it's very important to kind of hear what they have to say and kind of just, for me, it's, it's being just very explicit and letting them know that we want to hear that stuff. That's great. Um, what's one characteristic that you guys think every leader should possess or develop? Good listening skills. <laughs> um, uh, you, you definitely hear a lot of leaders talk about that and yeah. you don't necessarily appreciate it or understand it until you're in a leadership role. Um, you know, as Will mentioned, even something basic in the kitchen, in part of our process of baking the granola, um, letting one of the guys speak up about a better way to do it. You know, we could sit there all day long and say, no, 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 we've been doing this for six years and, you know, we've had X number of sales and we know how to put this granola into a bag. So you just keep making it the way that, that we said to make it. Um, then to, you know, other companies that are getting their first start and figuring out how to uh, get into a grocery store. I love having those conversations with those companies. There's Steve from, from East Coast Kombucha. Just hearing him think through his whole process of how he starts uh, his business, he may mention something that reminded me of how we got our granola started or how I can execute a better cold call. Um, or, you know, the, the, listen, the listening skill, it's really easy to say I'm listening to you, but then never actually take any action. On, on what you hear from uh, your employees or, or your peers, um, but certainly reinforcing a strong employee culture um, when you get to engage or act on some of those things and suggestions that you hear uh, from your employees actually shows them that they, they have invested value in the business as well. Um, but it's, it's key as a leader to show them that, that you value their, their input and their information. Um. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing young leaders, young professionals, young leaders today? It's tough because I think a lot of young people do have a very kind of uh, kind of self-starter mentality and a leadership mentality. It seems like leadership is is being emphasized a lot more in, in schools and among young people, maybe to a fault sometimes. Mm. Uh, but I don't know, what do you think? I was going to say something about the instant gratification in our culture right now. Um, probably mostly perpetuated through social media uh, and the, the advent of that. Um, 
but the the fact that you can't you cannot start something and become a quote unquote overnight success. You hear about the overnight successes, RX bar, you know, selling for six hundred million dollars overnight. No, that actually took an enormous amount of blood, sweat, and tears and yes. effort on on those guys' part to get to that point. Um, so it's it's really easy to see. The, the absolute rocket successes that sell for $600 million, a few billion dollars, or these tech companies that go IPO for you know $20 billion. Um, but nobody, it's really hard to understand the true effort and work that goes behind that because you're only interacting you know, on the social media platforms with what is curated and pushed out to your customers or you know even just peer-to-peer. Um, so the the hardest thing for for anybody, um, uh, you know, young leaders trying to, to come through the system right now is understanding that you have the potential, and, and you if you can take that leap of faith and that risk to start something, um, I think we're more set up to be able to do that now than ever. Um, you know, we know it through the the food business. I know it barely through this this drone thing, um, but the barrier to entry is fairly low on a lot of uh, new startups and new ideas, but you just have to understand you're going to have to put in a lot of work and just put your nose to the grindstone. Um, But if you use the tools and and everything that you're being taught uh, in school and in college these days, or, you know, if you don't go to college, um, the resources that are available out there to you, you know, there's no reason why you can't be successful. That's a good point about um, people see that like RX bar. So they see that, you know, they just got sold or whatever, right, for that huge amount. Um, but they don't necessarily see all the work that goes into that before right. that happens. Um, and I think that's pretty indicative of um, small business in general, is that people think it's cute or fun or, like, let's do a small business Saturday and things like that. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> small business every day, <clears throat> whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, it's important to really be watching seeing what people are doing and if your friends have small businesses or they're entrepreneurs or trying to start something you know there is a struggle to it sometimes and you know you have to be supportive of the community as a whole and understand that you know it's okay to show that you're struggling or that things are hard today because um you never know where you're going to be um and just to keep pushing um but i think people don't really like to do that they like to curate their social media and things like that and only show you the positive things when businesses ups and downs all the time um and it's just sort of managing how you react to that kind of stuff yeah um so how do you guys push through stressful things go ahead uh for me it's running it it really is uh something that allows me to escape and if i don't want to think about stressful times at work i can uh use that time to avoid it but I can also use that time to process things. So um, I'm sure someone could explain why, but it just, it always seems to kind of help. And I'm not sure why it's so I'll, I'll go out for a run feeling overwhelmed by problems and I'll come back. I usually run from work. And so I'll leave my office, go for a run. I come back and suddenly I don't, I can't even figure out why I was stressing about something. It just seems to make everything clearer and, and more manageable. And then I guess, Aside from that, if I don't have the opportunity to, to go exercise, uh, I try to remind myself, you know, that I, that we've been here before 
if there's a problem we're having, it's, it's usually something that we've already seen. And if it's not, um, there's always a way to look at it through a lens of, of something that we've, we've solved in the past. So I guess those two things help, but you know, it's not yeah, a I mean, cure all, I guess. Yeah. No, exercise is definitely a, a, a good cleanser. Um, and whether, whether you're into running and it's a cardio activity, uh, or it's lifting or, um, you know, even like going back out on, on the horse and, and riding, just clearing your head in some activity that's outside, uh, of, of the daily grind. But the endorphin just, you know, clearing the shit out of your head, uh, is a real thing. Um, but as Will mentioned, if you don't have that outlet you can't get, you can't get through it. Um, one of the things for me, when I find that we're in uh, a stressful time or a bit of a hole, I'll go out and I'll just go to my regular accounts and I'll just sell a lot of granola. Like I just, I get a little bit, I, I get fired up, you know, for looking at something. So you know what, we're not, we're not making the sales that we need to make right now. Uh, we need to, we need to get some things going or we want to get these new bags or some more equipment are here, but we just don't have the funds for that right now. I'll just, I'll get, I'll get agitated and say, all right, screw it. I'm going to go hit the road and just go call on 10 new accounts and sell more granola into our accounts that we're already in, go interact with more customers or something. And even if it's just, you know, that spurt for two or three weeks, it just reinvigorates you and just, it, it gets you excited and, and gets you going again. Um, but there's, it would be naive to think that there, there aren't stressful times in the business. So figuring out the, the best outlet to that short of, you know, you know, punching a hole through a wall, uh, <laughs> you, you definitely need to figure out a, a more sane way to deal it's with it. It's not the best way to deal with things. No, it's no. funny. It's no. funny you say that about selling because when you were on vacation, was it last week? Yeah. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. I, I took over for his, his accounts when he was on vacation and, uh, you know, I was having a bad day and I went and I just went to like, the first five stores we ever got into, I went to check on them and uh, get them reorders. And like, they, they always need more granola when, when we're in there. And I just left like smiling and more pumped up. Like, okay, you know, we're flying through granola in these markets. And I didn't really connect that that might just be yeah. something other people do, but good to hear it. <laughs> it's an outlet. Yeah. I mean, Something. I love talking to my clients. Yeah. You know, I know they're busy and everything, but even just a text message, hey, how are you? Do you have time to chat and just checking in on what's going on? It doesn't even have to be like, okay, how are your sales going this month? It's just like, what's going on in your life? And Because um, I think it gets me out of my own way. Right, exactly. I was going to say, we've got a, a ping pong table uh, in the, the warehouse that we haven't really used anymore, but Will can beat me up on that table. <laughs> yeah, we have a, a tally of, of wins and I, I had a good streak going. I think we played like 35 games. Yeah. It's, it's honestly like 29 to six in so Will's favor. So yeah. I'm not doing well. So uh, <laughs> when I'm in the office, if Will's stressed, maybe just pull out the ping pong yeah. table yeah. and <laughs> kick my ass. Um, what's your morning routine? Row. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I try to, it's, it's been up and down for sure. The last several years, um, just because the schedule's late at night or, I need to get on the road early to go uh, deliver to stores, um, or if I have to go to Boston, I'm I'm going to drive either before the rush hour or after the rush hour. And generally, I try and go earlier. Um, but if I'm not doing that, I do try and make my best effort to get to the boathouse. Um, in the winter, it's indoor training, so it's you know erging or biking, um, strength training two to three times a week. But especially when it's the spring and summer and the sun is up early in the morning and it's you know 70 degrees out. You go row out on the water 
And if you're at the right time, you get out into the Norwalk Harbor, you know, right by the Long Island Sound Harbor entrance, and the sun's coming up there. And to me, there's no other way I'd want to start the day, and that gets me fired up to go out and work. Other people say, hell no, I need to be sleeping till 7 or 7.30, but uh, I'd rather get up early and go do that. That's great. Yeah, I, I gave up on the, the early mornings. <laughs> I, I stopped growing. Uh, my routine is it's very regular. I, I just I get up and I, I eat breakfast. Uh, granola, granola every morning <laughs> for seven years. Uh, you really don't have anything else other than a bowl of granola? With some cereal. Okay. Yeah. But even on the weekends, I don't really like to eat anything else. It's it's become very, it's so ingrained in my routine. I If I eat, I could eat half a dozen eggs and I'd be hungry because I haven't had granola. Um, so low carb diet, not for you. No. <laughs> um, I, have, I have a lot of friends who tell me that I should, like, keto's the way to go. I'm like, sorry. Nope, nope. Um, so I do that and I take coffee to go and I, I get to work uh, a little before eight and I, I usually read the news till about eight thirty, and, and then get started once coffee's sort of kicked in, but it's been my routine for years and I have no interest in changing it, I guess. So good no routine. What's your routine? Uh, so... I'm like a, I'm an eggs person. So normally I get up, um, my dog likes to sleep in. Yeah. Um, so does my boyfriend, he goes to work early, but I get up earlier than him. I don't know how that works, but it's (laughs) whatever. Um, so my dog stays in bed. I get up, I usually make oatmeal and I put granola on it and a banana. Uh, and then I'm this kind of person where like 30 minutes later I'm hungry again. That's just how my body works. Um, so then I try to eat some eggs and some vegetables, uh, and then usually the dog gets up by then. We go for a walk, and then I usually go to the gym, and I train for about an hour and a half in the morning. Nice. Uh, and then I'm here. So it's, it's, it's pretty simple. I'm a firm believer in getting the exercise out of the way in the morning. Yeah. Because uh, at the end of the day, you're the exact opposite. I know you're able to just go out for a run after a whole day at work, but it doesn't work for me. If I work out in the morning, I, I will not stop eating for the whole day. It kickstarts my metabolism, and I will eat through the whole day, and I realize at the end that I've done more harm than good. Because I also, like, I'll be like, oh, I ran five miles this morning, and I'll yeah. eat, a, eat a big, like, <laughs> chicken cutlet sandwich or something for lunch. Whereas <laughs> now, I I think I'm planning on working out later, but I might not, so I should probably eat healthy. Mm. So it just it doesn't work for me. I used to be a nighttime workout person, yeah, um, and then I just, like, I couldn't get enough food in. After working out, because um, obviously it's really when you're lifting really heavy, it's important to have good nutrition all the time, um, especially after your workout. Um, and I noticed like I would be here, and my hours are crazy. Sometimes I'm here till four, but sometimes I'm here till like eight thirty at night. I just never know. So I'd rather hit it in the morning so that it's out of the way and just done with. It does back up. Yeah. It gives me a hard stop at the end of the day. So sorry. <laughs> Gotta go. I tried that. Once. <laughs> <laughs> Family. See, I just okay. What are you using? Yeah. Um, this is kind of a funny question, but how many messages are in your inbox right now? Let's see. I think I have one hundred and thirty-two unread. Unread. Wow. But do you leave them unread on purpose? I leave them unread because okay. that means I need to go back to it. There okay. are probably some junk ones in there, um, but I know people that have like ten thousand five hundred because they don't. They don't read emails. Or if they do, they only read the important one, respond to it right away, and that's it. I have 48. Okay. Which is a lot for me. Okay. I try to, like, my personal inbox, I try to have nothing on red. 
because it's usually like I don't send a lot of personal emails. So if I get an email and I need to reply, I try to do it right away. Um, or it's just, you know, it's not important. Uh, but in work, it's, yeah, I leave things, I'll read something that I'll mark as unread because I have to reply, but I just don't have the time. Uh, and then we have our sales email account where we have like open orders and stuff, yeah, which usually has a handful. Right. But I remember the first time I saw the number 40 on my email, it was like a weird milestone in my head of being <laughs> the professional business. <laughs> 40? It was, yeah, I was like 23 <laughs> years old and I That's was like, market. whoa, there's 40 emails <laughs> from work. I have Something unread about. text messages because with iPhone, you have that, that 3D touch yeah. where you can preview a message, an iMessage or an email. And I'll do that and I'll look at it and say, okay, yeah, I got to get back to responding uh, to that person. But that's also because, like, I don't really text and drive. Yeah. I'm not supposed to. And you're on the road um, a lot. And I'm on the road a lot. So I'll just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll respond to that person. So I even have, like, 25 unread text messages. I can't leave that little notification. I hate it. No, no, no. Text I, is, I reply right away. <laughs> but it's just sort of natural. So you have zero unread emails? Uh, well, I'm sure I have unread emails right now because we've been in here. But, uh, yes, I wow. read through all my emails uh, when they come in. Um, if I don't respond, it's because I don't like you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I just write it down. I'm a, like a physical note taker. So I have a to-do list on my yeah. desk and I just write it down. And then at the end of the day, I take a picture, like if I'm going to work from home or whatever, I take a picture with my phone or I bring my notebook with me. And the downside is that if I don't do that or don't take my notebook, I kind of get somewhere. I'm like, uh, uh, no job today. Well, um, so, but yes, I check my emails all the time. Um, even like at 11 o'clock at night, yep. I'm someone that doesn't shut off. So, um, and my mom is up super early. So she's always emailing me in the morning, um, like five, yeah. four thirty, whatever. I'm like, okay, okay mom. I'll answer this. <laughs> um, do you guys have any book or podcast recommendations for young leaders? Mm. I loved the Elon Musk, uh, Elon Musk biography by Ashley Vance. Okay. Um, yeah. And I listened to it only on audiobook. Um, I just I consume a lot of audio in the car, and I'm pretty sick of music. Um, that one, I mean, yeah, it's Elon Musk. Everybody knows about him. You love him, hate him. But um, it was just fascinating to hear about his... Uh, upbringing and how he got to where he is today. And this book is only like up until 2014, I think. Um, so it's not even super current. I think he, they just launched the Model S um, Tesla. So it's, you know, they didn't have all the other cars and all these SpaceX missions completed. Um, but I just thought it was really cool how, how he started all of his businesses and how he, he thought about it. Um, it's not even that long of a book, so it's uh, pretty interesting. And then podcasts, I do, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan experience. Okay. It's yeah. not necessarily a business podcast, but he does talk to uh, business leaders and CEOs and entrepreneurs. Um, and those discussions are just as fascinating as discussions with comedians, uh, hunters, um, you know, PhD uh, doctors. Um, but it's just because of the, the wide uh, topics that he, he covers you get to consume a lot of information. Not all of it is correct, but you get to go back and, and you know talk to a friend about you know some discussion that they had on that podcast. And it just has helped me consume a lot of information, uh, pick up little bits of knowledge, um, and has actually helped me in a weird way uh, try and expand what I know and what I can learn about the business that we're in. Okay. Um, and 
in a weird way, gone to some of my problem-solving skills of being able to go out and, and find some of that information online or through podcasts. And I will listen to a more business-specific one that I haven't tapped into yet. Yeah, so I, I, I don't listen often, but when there's an episode that piques my interest, uh, there's an NPR podcast called How I Built This, okay. which is all yeah. uh, interviews with people who started successful businesses. And uh, you mentioned RX Bar earlier. They had one of the founders of RX Bar on there. Um, good one I heard was uh, the founder of Patagonia, uh, Cliff Bar, things like that, where you get a good sense of different leadership styles. The Patagonia one I thought was actually the most interesting because they've had psychologists come to the Patagonia offices to study their employees because they have a very unique work style where it's it's more self-accountable than it's like known for the self-accountability of the employees um and i think he wrote a book or someone wrote a book about them called let my people surf where basically they have a work policy which is if the surf is good (laughs) you can leave work and they're obviously a very successful company so they figured out a way to let people just walk out of work in the middle of the day to go surf. And it's sort of like a loop. It's sort of a metaphor for if there's something worth doing, go do it. And so it doesn't have to be surfing. It can be whatever you want it to be. Uh, And so there was something about that that kind of resonated with me. And one of the points he made was um, it has to be ingrained in you from day one. So it's not a policy you can just sort of enact. It has to be deeply ingrained in your DNA. And it sort of helped me think about what are things that we we're still at a point where I think we can kind of make those decisions. What are the things that we want to kind of instill in ourselves and our employees that are part of our DNA and our our core values, like you said. So how I built this kind of has really good sort of leadership entrepreneur stories. And then another one I like, it's called the Jocko podcast, which is a, uh, (laughs) he's a Navy, a former Navy SEAL, Jocko Willink, who uh, left and started a, actually a, a consulting company. So I hope this isn't competition. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, they do like corporate leadership consulting okay. from the perspective of special forces operators. And he talks about his experience in the Navy SEALs and how I, I, a big thing for him is decentralized command and, and sort of letting, giving people the freedom to do uh, tasks and because they're on the ground and like they, they know what they're doing and, and you have to listen to them. But his, his kind of general mindset is just about how do you accomplish something? You do it. And it's, it's, it's almost too simple. And you're like, all right, man, you, you kind of need to give us a little <laughs> more of that. muscle heavy, yeah. But, you know, he shows so many different successes. And he has a book in the name. I'm, I'm, I'm totally blanking on the name of the book. But he has so many different examples of successes where it's just as simple as just not overcomplicating problems. You, yeah. you look at something... And instead of worrying about the optics or the politics or sort of hurting someone's feelings, especially in a corporate setting, it's just you have to do it. Why do you have to do it? Because if you don't, your competition will. And so he's, I think he's very good at putting things bluntly yeah. and, and showing people that you just do the work. And if you do it, you'll be successful. Um, and for me, I, I like to listen to it and kind of filter it through my own experiences and pick and choose things to listen to. Because, again, I think a little little bit of it is kind of too simplified. But if you can kind of of pull things out of there that I think are very useful. 
Go for it. Um, those are great recommendations, and I'm going to put them on the blog yeah. with links. Great. Um, I think probably, so we read a lot of books here. Mm-hmm. Um, we love books. I'm so bad at reading. I tell myself I need to read more. I have a list <laughs> of books, like in my notes on my iPhone, of things I need to read, and I've, I've gotten through very few. I have a bad habit of where I'll go to, like, a Barnes & Noble or mm-hmm. a bookstore, and I'm like, I need all these books. And then I don't have time to read them, so I do audiobooks too. But I own a lot of books. I think I need to do that because I rent from the library. Yeah. I'll read half and then I'll return it. And I think if I own it, yeah. the fact that I'm spending money will maybe make me read it more. Maybe. Do you have good recommendations? Um, I really like, so I actually realized the other day that I don't do any personal reading. Like, you know, just like for fun reading. Yeah. I do a lot of. Um, business-related reading, uh, even when I have time to do my own reading, which is rare. It's always a business book, because why not? Um, and I think probably the one that has stuck with me the most uh, recently is Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Hmm. Um, and so uh, Mike Michalowicz, uh, I'll put a link in the blog, um, but he he has a couple books, but Profit First is about um, how you, as a company... Um, should put aside your profit first. So what happens traditionally is that you say, okay, I need this much revenue so I can have this much cost of goods sold and then I get this much gross profit and you work your way from revenue down. And what Mike McCallowitz says is essentially work backwards. So how much profit do you want at the end of the day? And then work that backwards to, okay, how much is my overhead, which is typically kind of stable, um, and then your cost of goods sold. And then, you know, so how much revenue do I need to make to achieve oh, my yeah. profit goals? Um, and there's more. He applies it to personal finances, too, um, and how to, like, set up your bank accounts differently and things like that. But um, it really resonated with me to say like, to my clients, OK, I'm glad you're achieving this revenue. That's great. But at the end of the day, what are you really taking home? And so let's focus on what really matters to you, which is what's in your pocket. Um, and so we kind of like work with our clients a little bit that way. Um, and then there's a story about, uh, there's a book called the great game of business by Jack Stack. Um, and Jack Stack, I'm going to butcher this probably, but Jack Stack, um, used to work for international harvester. Um, and, uh, he ran a factory for them. Uh, and, um, I guess they were going to close the factory and, Uh, Jack Stack was like, no, we can't do that. We have employees. We can't just lay off all these people. Um, So he brought his whole team together who was running the factory and his employees and said, here's here's the deal. Here's what's happening. How do we make this not happen? Or how do we do this on our own and be successful? Um, And that was kind of the book is about how he did that and how he empowers his employees to make decisions and be take ownership. Um, So I love both those books. Uh, I read a lot of books. funny back to work-life balance i tried reading books like business related books and i just realized i i need i need reading (laughs) so i do more like fiction or history or stuff like that but i think i do need i I also realized at a certain point like i need some of that knowledge so that's why i switched to audiobooks so what i was saying was that um i'm one of those people like i'll walk into barnes and noble and walk out with like 10 five books and i almost never read them or I read like 
half, and then I'm like, okay, that can sit there, and I'll get back yeah, right. to it. But if it's an audiobook, I, I can listen to the whole thing, you know, yeah. in a couple day, you know, couple days. Yeah. Not that my commute is very long, but um, just at any point, you know, in the morning, instead of turning on the TV, I can listen to my book or in twenty minute chunks, you can get through a lot. Yeah. Um, so, um, that's all the questions I have. All right. That's great. It's very in depth and a lot of fun. Thank you. To discuss it all. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, through our website, kellysfourplus.com, definitely um, on social media, 4plus Granola on Instagram, kellysfourplus Granola on Facebook. Um, we should definitely streamline those names. But uh, And then in the New York metro area, we're in all the Whole Foods, Connecticut, we're in Big Y, Stop and Shop, ShopRite. Um, we are uh, finalizing the Find Us page on our website. We're just trying to revamp that. Um, but you can get us in pun- a ton of different independents uh, and natural small grocery stores. Um, but online and Amazon are the two best ways to get us if you don't live in this immediate area. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Robin. Thanks for listening to Faces of Small Business. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with the latest recordings. Three out of four businesses fail in every 10-year cycle. Let's break that statistic. Support your local businesses. They are the true backbone of this economy. If you're interested to learn more about our home base here at Strategy Leaders, head over to strategyleaders.com.